Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to the Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Do you have a mate that doesn't seem great? Maybe their team is up, but they're still down. A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Dare Iced Coffee, a proud partner of Are You Okay? And a good evening to everyone. This is a show where we talk to people from across the sporting landscape and discuss issues surrounding mental health, the struggles, the successes, and ways in which we can all support each other through the challenges that life presents. Our guest tonight is an absolute pleasure of a human being to talk to. He's one of my absolute all-time favourites. He's considered Australian football royalty of the round ball variety, that is. He spent the majority of his career with Melbourne Victory and in his illustrious career with the club, he went on to win three championships and two prestigious victory medals, the highest honour awarded by the club. He played over some 50 games for Australia with the Socceroos, scoring a wait for this a massive 28 goals, but this is even better, a 13-game haul against American Samoa in 2001, which, if you go to the uh, uh, Guinness Book of Records, remains a world record to this point in time. In his final year of playing, he battled with off-field personal issues, all whilst dealing with the scrutiny that comes with being in the public eye. It's my pleasure to welcome, as I say, one of the great guys of Australian sport, Archie Thompson, to the conversations that could for Are You OK? Archie, how wonderful to have you on the line, mate. How are you feeling? Mate, I'm feeling fantastic, to be honest. My team won the uh, premiership uh, against the Doggies. I'm over the moon from that. I'm still pretty much on a high from it. And, uh, you know, I've got some really close friends of mine that have been long life of members of, of the Melbourne Football Club and I'm just so happy for them that they're, uh, you know, they've finally got the monkey off the back and hopefully many more. And mathematically, I was hoping they might lose. I tipped them to win, but I thought they might, I was hoping they'd lose because last time they won was 64, my birth year. So it's an easy reference point for me when anybody tries to trip me up on, rivi- uh, on yeah. trivia. Yeah, my age, that's when they won, yeah. <laughs> well, a good, uh, a close mate of mine, Gary, He's the, he used to be the kit man at Melbourne Victory. He was a kit man at the Melbourne D's. And wow. I think the first game he ever went to was that 64 final. Yeah, 64 uh, grand and, final. Yeah, so he um, fell in love with the game straight away yeah. from, from that moment. Went to every single grand final. I mean, obviously Melbourne were in for a while, but he made sure that he went to every single one. And the only time that uh, Melbourne get a really good chance of winning a grand final, he can't go to Perth to watch it. So sorry, Gaz, um, (laughs) but he's with his beautiful mum. I put something on social the other day, just a couple of fanatical. They were all dressed in their kit. Uh, I'm rap for them. Yeah. One of my mates is the same. He's not quite as old as me, so he's 40 something and, but he's never seen his team win a premiership, so he didn't get the chance to go either. You know, Whitey, he listens in every Wednesday night as well. So, yeah, but it, it's a little bit of a consolation, isn't it, to them that uh, in their lifetime that, that their team has won. So it's fantastic. Now, let me ask you about you. I've gone through all your bio. I've known you for many, many years, enjoyed your company. But reading somebody's bio actually opens a few doors to you. Where, where, 
I see you came from Gippsland, but before that, New Zealand born. That is something which I did not know. I've seen all your stats and your figures and your trophies and all those things, but I did not know that, that uh, you were originally from down Gippsland. Tell us about the journey from New Zealand, uh, Waikato, I think it was, to Gippsland and thereafter. Uh, so, yeah, well, uh, my mum's Papua New Guinea. My dad's um, obviously New Zealand. So he met mum in, in the mines when he used to work uh, over there yep. in PNG and um, then flew to New Zealand. That's where they had me. But I was literally five, six weeks old when we uh, sort of moved from New Zealand to Australia. And, you know, that just happened to be with dad's work. He was a sparky and, you know, wherever work um, he could get or whatever he needed to do to sort of support our family. That's where we kind of went. We went from Liverpool in Sydney to Lithgow in the Blue Mountains. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much a country boy. We went to Bathurst, grew up most of my, my uh, life in Wodonga. But my professional career started in Gippsland. So I was uh, fortunate enough, yeah, fortunate enough that um, Frank Arrock, um, God bless his soul, but passed away. Uh, for those that don't know him, he's like uh, football royalty in itself. And yep. uh, he gave me the opportunity. Um, it was funny. It was a funny uh, opportunity because uh, it was all done on a gravel car park in Gippsland. It wasn't actually done on the pitch where we, we trialed. And, you know, I wanted it so hard. And uh, he saw a lot of talent in me and he gave me the opportunity. And from from Gippsland, it sort of just took off from there. Now, tell us about the background. Uh, yeah, mum was uh, Papua New Guinean. Yeah. And yeah. dad was New Zealand. Was he New Zealand uh, Maori blood? No, no. No, he's a white fella. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah you can say that. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a white fella. But, uh, you know, yeah, um, so... That's how that happened. But funny enough, this is how football and sports funny because my mum comes from a small island yeah. in Papua New Guinea and, and um, you know, left her family quite young and was taken from her family to another family in Papua New Guinea and that's where my dad met her. But lost all contact um, because it was such a remote place in, in Papua New Guinea. And uh, through football and someone kind of recognising me and the name 30-odd years later... Um, she was reunited back with a family that's uh, yeah she hadn't wow. seen for over thirty years and went back saw mum um, unfortunately her sister uh, passed away and her brother but six months later after that her mum passed away so it was and you know it's funny how sport brings back um, uh, some some family things that have happened and but it was a beautiful story. Yeah, it, sport does bring people together as much as it it draws division and makes people stand on one side of the line to the other and you face them as a foe. It does bring people together. Yeah, it does. And, I mean, that's what happened with, uh, you know, me, me playing football and um, and those sort of stories that people don't really know about is that, uh, you know, sport can be a lot deeper than what what they sort of see on, on, a, on a Saturday or Friday or a uh, you know, a weekend of whatever the sport be. There's so much more deepness to it. And, um, again, I've been fortunate enough to be able to share in some moments like that. Now, and then you were uh, Carlton uh, Footy Club, Marconi. And then just at the turn of the century, sounds like we're ancient now, doesn't it? <laughs> at the turn of the century, uh, you went to Belgium. Tell us about your why you, you decided to up and leave and, and is that the normal... A uh, pathway for somebody, a young, super talented footballer? Yeah, well, look, I think um, especially for footballers here in Australia, um, back then in those times, there wasn't much opportunity. And, um, you know, you always sort of grew up 
thinking, okay, Europe's the place that you need to go um, to forge a career, to even sort of almost represent your country to, because yep. at that stage um, they were selecting a lot. Well, only most players were coming out of Europe for, for the Socceroos. So, um, and also to just to, to see if you can make it, if you can pit yourself against some of the best in the world. And um, it's a different, different world, different uh, kettle of fish when you think about what a lot of these players um, are coming from you know, South America or, or Africa and this is their opportunity for a start in life or, or, to, or to give back to their own families because they've grown up in, you know, maybe war-torn countries or, you know, poverty. Um, and, and for me, it was a real eye-opener because I'm, we're pretty fortunate here in Australia that uh, we've got the lives that we do. We're, we're sort of um, almost wrapped in cotton wool when you think about what's going on in the world. And I went there and had a rude awakening because it was it was an absolute battle every time that you went out onto the pitch. What? Not even from, yeah, not even from, um, you know, like match day. It was uh, training sessions with your teammates. It was just um, a war because everyone wanted that better life or wanted to really, um, I guess, start their football career as well. And so it took me a little while to kind of get it to the speed of what I needed to be. But after that, I just loved it. I enjoyed being in Europe. You, you, there's so much culture. Um, you're so close to everything. And then you just grow as a person. So I was really fortunate that, uh, you know, I went over and experienced what I did. I had my little girl over there, um, which was, uh, you know, it was fantastic. And, um, it's four years that I'll look look back on and think, wow, what an amazing time. So you and your then partner went yes. together. How old were you when you first set foot in well, Europe? See, I mean, I started a little bit later, I guess, than uh, some of the other guys. I went a bit off track when I was a little bit younger because uh, I felt like there was more out there than sport and, uh, you know, and I was – enjoying just going to parties and uh, football was the last thing on my mind. And, and it only that I, when I seen Harry Kuehl when I was working in a Chinese restaurant and loads of people had heard me tell this story. But for me, that was a turning point in, in my life where I was like, okay, he's just signed a contract for Leeds United. I was playing with him only, only a few years ago and it was like 90-odd thousand a week and he was only, what, 17? Um, and I was, you know, working in a ch Chinese restaurant lucky to get 90 bucks. So I thought, I need to turn my life around, cut out all the shit, work extremely hard. And when, you know, when you work hard and you want something so badly, the universe almost puts it in front of you. And um, I had that opportunity in Gippsland. And I, I guess where I'd come from and, and getting that opportunity, um, I never sort of wasted anything throughout my football career and I always worked out a little bit extra hard. Okay, I might have flirted on the side of, you know, getting yourself in trouble and, and maybe not like the true professional that you need to be if you're going to take it to the next level. But, I mean, I, I, I'm that type of person like yourself, Dermy, that enjoys a bit of life. Um, <laughs> you, you, you're young, you learn, you live. And, um, you know, I've got done some ups and downs and, you know, I got divorced, but now I've got a beautiful partner now and, Happy and that's that's life. I reckon, Arch, when you were growing up and you were in school, forgive me for saying this, it's not pointed, you'd have been a cheeky little shit. <laughs> Mate, 100%. Um, it almost takes one to know one, Derby. So uh, I, like I reckon, uh, well, to be fair, I got kicked out of school. Uh, yeah, I got that's kicked cheeky. out of school. Yeah, uh, I won't say why, but uh, it might come out once, one, one day, but... Um, 
Yeah, can you can you allude to it? Just give us a just give us a, a feeling for why Archie Thompson didn't finish school. Just give us a, a little feeling for it. Okay, well, look, let's be honest. You grow up in the country, there's not too much to do. And, you know, when you're with uh, your mates, you get up to a bit of mischief. And um, let's just say I, I got up to a bit of mischief. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, that was my second warning. And when I came back from uh, my, my second suspension, um, because the principal had seen no hope in me, she was like, sorry, you, you, you're best not coming back. And, you know, I mean, I've had to kind of learn the harder way, but... Um, it's made me the person I am today. I've, I've, I've had to. I left school. I worked uh, in shitty jobs. I worked at an abattoir. I was in an abattoir for you know six, seven months. Okay, it wasn't a long period of time, but it was shit work, and it was something that I never wanted to do again. And that's what gave me, I guess, more drive to be a pro footballer and and you know obviously try to forge a life in that. Well, you mentioned the Chinese restaurant, the abattoir. The fact that you were expelled from school twice, you were eventually turfed out on your ear. Well, when I talk to people and they get down on themselves, but I still see a good person standing in front of me, I say, don't, don't begrudge or denigrate where you've been because it all contributes to the overall package of the person that's standing in front of me. And that person's a good person. Well, so I think we're all good people. I just sometimes we maybe make decisions in moments that um, take us off into places that we shouldn't probably go. But then if you don't go there, you're not going to learn and you're going to not know that there's better places to be. I mean, you know, I was probably a rat bag um, and, you know, and hence probably why I was, I was divorced and, and stuff. And But it's made me a better person. And now the relationship I'm in now with my partner is – it's it's more than what uh, I've ever been in, so it's beautiful. Yeah, well, your new partner got the better version of you. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, yeah, I mean, look, there's still a few sketchy parts of me, and she <laughs> she does pretty well to bloody do, uh, you know, turn a blind eye to it. But she's an amazing woman. I'm I'm really happy. Before we go to the first break, uh, what's it like going to Europe? And there's probably. I would imagine 15 different languages flying around in the one change room. How do you get a feel for where your standing is? I mean, there's alpha male syndrome, I would imagine, even in a beautiful sport such as as soccer, uh, world football. How do you get a feeling when there's 15 different languages and they could all be talking about you? Yeah, well, it's hard because... um... There was actually, when I think about it, there's one guy, Adolf Tahua, his name was. He's, he was from Ivory Coast. And then he only spoke French. Yeah. So, and, uh, so his English was really limited. But everyone <laughs> that spoke to him in French, um, they always just used to laugh. And, and, and I just think, man, if that language barrier wasn't there... <laughs> I reckon we'd just get on like a house on fire. Yeah. But, you know, it was it was difficult. But then you, you just learn so many different things from people. There was a guy from Georgia that um, there was a scar on his leg. I asked him what he was because he spoke a little bit of English. He goes, oh, yeah, I got shot. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it's funny, but, I mean, yeah, all the, the melting pot. Yeah, but this is what it is. This is kind of what I guess where that history and culture uh, and sometimes it's not – it's not good and sometimes it's yeah. bad. And just funny stories like that that um, you probably necessarily wouldn't get here in Australia, which is, uh, you know, it was funny. Time for a break. I'm Dermot Brereton and this is The Conversations That Could, brought to you by Dare Iced Coffee. When you make bottles it up, a dare fix won't fix it.
but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? More with Archie in a moment. Welcome back to the conversations that could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Welcome back to the conversations that could. I'm Dermot Brereton and my guest tonight is the little legend Archie Thompson, former Socceroo and one of the Melbourne Victory's most celebrated players. We think of you as Melbourne Victory. When when I th- even to this day, you've been retired a few years now. Even to this day, I think Melbourne Victory, the the immediate image I get is Archie Thompson in the victory shirt. Yeah, man, it's, yeah, it's pretty special when you think about, like, I'm still quite uh, new, uh, I guess, when you think of retiring. I know, it's, it's it, although it's going quite quick, it's been, I think it's five years now, but the, the reception I still get when I'm doing, uh, when I was doing Fox stuff, just going to the ground, um, you know, it was, it was great because the chance would still go on. And um, I, I feel like I'm probably, when I did retire, I was still... Um, in the minds of some of a lot of the youngsters that were still coming through. So I feel like I've still got that bit of legacy there to hold on to for a little bit. But like I said, it's, it was a, an amazing time that I was there. We were trying to establish football in this country, and I think we did that, especially with Melbourne in Melbourne. Um, I met some amazing people, and now they've got someone in John Didaluca now that's um, heading up the football department. And he's someone that really knows football and he's trying to re-engage some of the old um, stalwarts of the club, which is fantastic because I felt like they've gone away from that a little bit. But, mate, um, yeah, when you, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing to still hear those chants when, uh, you know, you walk in there. Yeah, I, I look at the Melbourne fraternity, the victory fraternity, and they look at their history as, you know, uh, uh, Kevin Musket, he's, he's the enforcer, and yep. Archie was our artist. I mean, I know there's been some serious players go through there, like Fred and the likes, but, I mean, that's the way we look at it. You were the artist who played with beautiful football, and, and Kevin was a get out of my way or you'll you'll be sat on your backside. Well, mate, look, I, I guess um, you need to have those different characters and... and, and I, I certainly wouldn't have wanted to play against Muskie. I, I much prefer to be on his team. And, you know, um, for us to paint like you say we do, it's you've <laughs> got to have those people that do all the dirty work and, you know, those enforcers, the ones that get the best out of everyone by what they do and their actions. And um, mine was more about sort of showing and scoring goals and doing those sort of things. Kevin was more about... Um, guiding and, 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 you know, probably a little bit stronger personality than what I am. But uh, I guess you, you find your way and, uh, you know, you've probably been part of teams too, Dermy. You're, you're the painter for me, mate, in, in the, the old footy terms. Oh, but geez. I don't know who was one of those enforcers. That's, uh, Very kind. <laughs> no, mate, no, definitely. Hey. Now, every time I, I, I do meet an elite sports person who is like you, that lights up a room, that big, glorious smile and people just gravitate to, every person like that that I've met goes to incredible highs. But on the one odd occasion, and it might not be, it might only happen every 10 years, the downtime is awful. You've had your downtimes. 
Oh, yeah, 100%. I've had a lot of downtimes. I mean, uh, like for a long, long time, and you probably know it too, Dermy, being in the public eye, you've got to almost put a mask on certain things that you might be going through personally. And, um, you know, I, I was going through a lot at one stage, even with through injuries where um, you didn't think you were going to come back the same person. And, um, and also, too, one period when I just was coming towards the end of my career with Melbourne Victory was um, when, when something goes wrong for me, it goes big time. Like, you know, it seems to come in threes. And then, uh, you know, so I had um, just been told that from the club that uh, I wasn't going to be resigned from for the next season, which hurt me because I still felt like I had a lot to give. Yep. Um, breakup of my marriage. Yep. Um, and also, too, it was my kids being taken over, overseas for, for eight months and I couldn't see them. And this was all happening at once. And, and football was a kind of a way to, to escape from all that because it's like, you know, you get on out there and you, you, you see all the lads, you have a little bit of a laugh, but then you just put yourself on autopilot where you just don't think about anything. Yeah. You just in the moment. And that's um, what, what football was for me. But then it got to the point where, that wasn't even helping me. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd make up excuses um, to the doctor, to coaches saying, oh, look, I'm not well. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm a bit sick or whatever like that. And, but that was just for me, maybe because I, I, I went to the bottle and I drank and I couldn't, that's my, my way of sort of dealing with that. And, and, and it was affecting my football and it was affecting uh, everything because I just was just trying to drown out what was happening. And um, so that was a, probably the, a real dark uh, period in my life. Um, and it, it's taken a little while to now to kind of see that I've, I've seen a bit of a light and I don't try to get yourself down in those sort of situations that you might find yourself in. And you, you, I mean, I'm still learning. I'm, 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 like I said, I've got a partner that helps me. I'm doing all sorts of different things to try to be a better person, better dad, better partner, better person. Um, from like your yeah, healings that I get now, I'm like I I think very spiritually on a lot of things, and um, I, I get those sort of things that help me. And uh, so I wish they were around when I was maybe going through that period. But like I said, I needed to go through that to um, to be the person I am now yeah. and to learn from it. To grow, yeah. yeah, yeah. We talk about the remedies in a short time, but we can still focus a little bit on on what took you down that path. So yeah. I, I, from, as you say, from personal experience, yeah. for a sports person, the one place, and you love that sport, the yeah. one place you get your sanctuary, if everything is falling around you, is participating in that sport. Even though you're a professional, it's what yeah. you did as a kid before they started paying yeah. you to play. Yeah. It's your sanctuary. But then I cannot imagine what it is like trying to play in that sanctuary when you've been told this is the end of the road, that you, yeah. you're not you're not here next year. So there's got to be self-doubt. There's got to be uh, a, a wonderment about what will become of my life, and that's yeah. going to take away from the there and now that you were yeah. in and still were capable of playing good footy, but it had to have taken away from your, your mindset for uh, productivity. Yeah, 100%. You, you, you're spot on. I feel like um, now when I think about it and you saying those exact words is that it was a sanctuary for me, but it was taken away from me. And um, 
and that uncertainty of, okay, I've been this athlete, and you've probably heard athletes say it a long time, but I've, uh, I've been that athlete. I've just known football. I've dedicated my life to this craft, um, and now it's gone. What am I going to do? I've got no education. Uh, I've got, um, you know, no family. Um, I'm, I'm like, don't have money behind me. Um, what's going to happen? And so those things on top of everything else um, was almost like a like a, a simmering pot that was about to blow. And it, and it just felt like that that was it. And I, I probably did, um, you know, from my actions and maybe what I was doing and and just hiding away from the world and and not really going anywhere. And then a mate of mine, actually, Nathan Coe, he was a um, close mate of mine, ex-teammate, he rang me out of the blue and said, ah, catch up, let's catch up for a drink. And I was like, oh, nah, man, nah, I don't, don't really feel like it because this is just what you do. You just separate yeah. yourself from everyone. And then he's like, come over and, and I, I, he's finally persuaded me to come and, I, and he just said, ah, look, man, what's happened to you, man? I love you. We all love you. We want we, we want the old Archie or the new Archie, whatever it's got to be. Just stop hiding away from the world. Like, well, we don't even bother calling you now because we just know that um, you're not going to be there. And I think that for me was that's a, real, a good bloke. That's a good friend, mate. A champion, champion, and and because like like um, what I've seen over the last sort of few years, you just know who your your close friends are, and are the people that you know when you when you're hurting the most, they're going to be the ones that are there for you. And uh, and that was just a real light switch moment for me. And and then I, I just thought, you know. I've got to turn this around and, I, you know, it's slowly, slowly I'm in a better place now, but it just took took a moment like that to just go, hey, hang on, this, and this is a beautiful guy. Like, I'm still really close with him now. Yeah. And uh, it's moments like that. And that's why I guess I feel like if someone's going through that, don't be afraid to maybe say something to them because that might be just that little kicker that they need. I'm Dermot Burton and our guest tonight is Archie Thompson. And this is The Conversations That Could for Are You OK? Brought to you by Dare Iced Coffee. Dare Iced Coffee, a proud partner of Are You OK? More in a moment. Welcome back to The Conversations That Could with Dermot Burton. Mate not feeling great? A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Welcome back to the conversations that could for Are You Okay? I'm Dermot Brereton and my guest tonight is Archie Thompson. Archie still holds the record for the most goals in a single international match when he netted 13 goals against American Samoa in 2001. What a legend. So, Archie, you got to a pretty dark place and you, and you had your good friend Nathan Coe call you. Just for people who will be saying, well, how does that conversation start? The hardest thing will be, first of all, when you pick up the phone and say, hello, what do they say? What were the very first few words Nathan said to you in, in, in looking to try and fix you or, or attempt to get you remedially looked after? I think it was just he was so persistent <laughs> and he wasn't going to take no for an answer um, because I'd just been avoiding everyone. For, for so long because of the, the, I guess, the period I was in and, and what I was facing. and uh, But he was just, um, on this occasion, not, I'm not taking no for an answer. you you, you got to do it. And um, 
And I did. And, you know, he gave me some harsh truths and uh, they certainly helped. But then, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough too that I've got a, um, a brother here in Melbourne that he's helped me amazingly too because he's he works in the sort of mental health sector. And um, But I guess also too it's unless you're, you're in yourself wanting to make that change, it's very hard for people or people around you to, um, to help. And, uh, you know, I, was, I think it was just at a stage when I heard Nathan say what he said, and it was like, okay, this is it. This is this It's is amazing, life. isn't it? All the problems lie within the person, yeah. the soul, and all the answers are in that same soul as well. Yeah, 100%. And look, the thing is that um, I guess I was just feeling uh, really hard. I was just hard on myself. I think that's what we all do. We get a little bit hard on ourselves and things that we um, – you know, we wished that we could have done better. I just think that they just kept escalating and, and my head a lot of the time I just get into think mode, um, always thinking about things that are not even happened yet. But that's the way that I used to think about a lot of things. Um, uh, and I guess that period was I just thought the worst for everything. And uh, and really, actually, fact, in actual fact, um, we're all pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've had a pretty good Good life. I'm, I'm, oh my I'm, word, you have. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and and it's only going to get better. And um, I think uh, we're all just trying to do the best that we can. And I think uh, that's a, a motto that I try to take through everything that I do. Is like because sometimes there is that fear about. Uh, my fear is that you know I don't want to come across as being like an idiot or dumb or feel dumb or and and that's that's me and that might be my fear and so everything that I do I, I might be a little bit cagey but now I sort of think well you know if you don't like me you don't like me I'm just going to be who I am and I'm going to just do the best that I can and I guess that's what I've what I've done just this last year in in in, in the media world because you know I cop so much shit for in the early stages of what I was doing but probably because I wasn't present and not doing the things that I was meant to do. And now I'm, I'm happy and I'm doing the, like, um, just doing the best that I can. It's a, I would call myself a bush psychologist for some reason, even though I was a similar rat bag. I had a lot of teammates always come to me and I'd process their problems for them and, and chat them to them. And then I'd go home and say, gee, I've got my own problems too. <laughs> yeah. oh, they can come second. My mates are more important. And it's always been the case. So you sort of look at people. It, if, if I was talking to you as a teammate, Archie, it, to me, it looks like you over-processed. For a free spirit player, it looked like you over-processed a lot of situations in your life. Yeah, I think I did. And, um, you know, I, I probably still do now. Like it's um, – but I'm, I'm probably more aware of that and I'm a bit more conscious about, you know, uh, thoughts that might come in that I'm thinking that I'm not good enough or that's probably one thing that it's, it's sat on in – in my life is that I don't feel like I'm ever good enough. Like, and, and you could probably see it from the conversation about, okay, maybe if I did things better, I could have been better or I could have had that. But it's like, you always just tr feel like that you're not good enough. And uh, I guess that's where I was, but I hit a lot of it. Cause you know, um, my thing was about trying to bring joy to everyone else. And sometimes like you say, you forget about yourself. So um, when you said that, 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 resonates with me. You said yeah. as a player you feel like 
I'm never good enough. I'm never good enough. Now, that actually benefits your career. So that, that's something you've turned into a positive, into a football career. But yeah. it sounds like it hasn't been a positive once you've stepped to the outside. If you're, never, if you're never good enough as a footballer, even though you've kicked three goals in one game, wow, you're aiming for four next time and you're going to do what it takes to get there. And that's a benefit. But mm. if you have that on the outside of the ground, you, you, it can hurt. Yeah, it certainly does. But you know what? When I think about it, it's like, I mean, I've said a lot of, I've probably only been really honest about it over the last sort of year or a couple of years is that, um, you know, even being like a sanctuary, that training field and training ground stuff, uh, be, being a sanctuary, every time that I went out onto a competitive match, I was afraid. I was like afraid every single time that I went out there because I didn't want to make a mistake. I didn't want to, and I, you know, I'd tell people, tell youngsters like, oh, that's where I used to be um, like, like free and be able to do whatever I want to do. But in actual fact, I was fearful the whole time. Yeah. Because like, um, you know, you just didn't want to make that mistake. You didn't want to um, let down anybody. You didn't want to, um, and it, and it, probably stuck with me a lot of the times until I did something great, one little great thing in the game, and then that sort of just goes away. But every time I stepped out on the pitch, there was always fear. So it's, it's amazing. That's the mask, isn't it? I mean, as I say, I look at you and I and I playing, and I see this huge grin, and I think this guy's just loving every second yeah, out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah moments, that's the mask. Yeah, there's moments for sure that I am, like a lot of the times that I am, but um, – there's a huge part of it that, that no, this it's all it's eating me inside, like you know, and you're just and you're trying to be um, this person for everyone uh, that to be this sort of hero on the pitch and, and give them joy and and uh, you know send them home happy, um, but you know a lot, a lot of the time there was this turmoil inside. So when you actually scored the, you know, that huge haul of goals for Australia against American Samoa, when you turn up and you're the man at, at Melbourne Victory and then you're in your last year and people have an expectation yeah. of yeah. what they want you to do but you didn't deliver because sometimes the opposition plays well. Yeah, <laughs> how, yeah. how did you beat your, did, did you Did you beat yourself up about it? Yeah, always. I mean, I always um, would always think about what I'd, what I could have done better, or and or moments where that I made the mistake, and it, it eats you up for a little while, and then you start you start reading um, social media stuff, and that's probably one thing that I really stopped. Um, <laughs> probably the last oh, last period of my career, and even I mean, it's, I still sometimes think, oh. Why did you say that? I mean, like, you know, I'm only trying to do the best that I can out there. And, um, but then, uh, so that used to eat me up, but I decided, no, I'm not looking at it, this anymore. I'm not looking at newspapers. I just, I just can't do it anymore. The world's just... critical, isn't it? The world has become exceptionally critical with this, uh, with, with this social media. Oh, yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's scary, some of the, I guess, the young people now coming through. And when I, when I think about, um, the grand final the other night and I look at all the players out on the field. Um, they're all so young. Like yeah. that Melbourne De that Demons team was so young. That uh, Doggies team was so young. And then I'm thinking about those poor Doggies because, you know, they got trounced. But then what's people saying about these youngsters? We're just trying to do the best that they can out there. And um, 
that's something that I hope that uh, they don't feed too much into because uh, it's not a not a nice place to be. It, the world definitely has changed. You call that? I look at these guys and they and they're big big fellows. You know, they're young men, but yeah. I look yeah. at them. And I see their faces, these clean-shaven faces, all these hipster beards, and I think, they're boys. I, I can remember being 16 and turning up to a football club, my, my team, Hawthorne, and there yeah. were blokes with mutton-chop side, <laughs> sideburns down to their jawline, and I thought, oh. These are men. They're men. And they turn up at the Sunday morning and they've got three kids tagging along with them and some of the kids look like teenagers and I think these guys are men. And it's it's almost like it's now a game of the fit boys. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, I mean, that's the era I grew up in. Like, I grew up with some pretty tough boys. Like, um, even when I was playing local football at 16, 17, playing against, like, men, especially in the country. Yeah. Mate, they they didn't care care how young you were. They will they'll put a boot right through you. And, um, but I, I grew up with that. And um, you know, coming towards the end of my career, it was all just just different. Um, a kept, different kettle of fish again, like of of um, I guess personalities, uh, and especially being so young in the world they're growing up in now. Um, it's a real real different different world. And like I said, they, they all look young. But they're, um, I mean, look like strong men or babies. But the thing is, I guess, too, um, when I think about my career and and uh, I was almost, I guess I didn't grow up in my whole career because everything was kind of given to you or, um, you know, you weren't made accountable for anything. Um, and so for me, I still probably feel young and, and maybe because, being part of this football world because it's such in a bubble, it's it's kept me young. But I just see some of these young boys now; it's it's crazy. It, you are striking on a great point. There's so much more I want to ask you. We'll do that after the break. But before we do, um, football clubs and playing elite sport, not just football clubs, exposes you to so many possible moods, exposes you to situations where you have to emotionally deal with it. And that makes you grow up in an area, you know, mentally. But it also shields you. Yes. You know, sporting clubs. I mean, same as you. I One week out of being a professional footballer, I went to pay my car insurance. I didn't know what to do. I'd never done it before. You go to pay your, yeah, you pay your the, the you know the out of pockets for your last operation. How yeah. do I do that? Where does that come from? What I had no idea how the world worked like that. Yeah. I learnt it at thirty one years of age. How tragic is that? Right, it's not tragic because it's the same as me. Like uh, I, I um, for a long parts of my life and career like i mean my ex-partner she dealt with everything but it, it almost felt like i wasn't capable of, of doing that um made capable of doing that because uh, just like you said being shielded everything handed to you you wanted something that was done and it was almost like you became this spoiled little brat and i guess that's where i um you know probably wasn't accountable for a lot of the actions that i you know in the real world i would have been um and i guess I'm just trying to grow and in 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 reality and um you know and learn those things and now man I'm doing 
I mean, I wasn't. So I, I'm not doing my tax. So I've still got an accountant that does that. But, you know, just, just, just learning all these little things, like uh, uh, things that I would never have thought that I was capable of doing. Like, I mean, I, I was, um, I was doing some stuff with a football academy, and they said you needed to do a email signature at the end of your emails. And I was thinking, okay, email signature. Do I just need to sign? something and like no that's no not what i'm talking about it's like you know you got to have these and with like and and i was like blown away and i only learned that last year but it's funny it's funny i'm, I'm enjoying that part of life where you just you know you, become part of the human race in a way. Yeah, that, that goes for a lot of sports people who may have to make the transition back into normal life. But that also exists for, for, for people who aren't professional sports, but they have a transition in their life and they have to make the best of what they're left with and, exactly. and, and get through to the other side. And there's little tricks and there's little mental games and, and, and benefits you can talk to yourself and teach yourself about. I'll ask you about them after the break, Arch. And thanks to Dare Ice Coffee for supporting the show. When your mates bottle it up, a dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could ask, are you OK? I'm Dermot Brereton, and our guest is Archie Thompson. And if this conversation tonight has raised some issues for you, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14, and that is 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Welcome back to the Conversations That Could for Are You Okay? I'm Dermot Brereton, and our guest is the little legend Archie Thompson, former champion footballer turned commentator and media personality, as well as all-round good bloke. Archie, the transition of life. So yeah. one day, even though the last year's tough, you are a star and you are on the back of jerseys and you're on printed paraphernalia in the clubhouse that people spend money on. The next day, you're finished. You're not a footballer anymore. Mm. What's the transition like? How was it for you? Oh, mate, it was, it was hard, but it, when I think about other players in similar positions to me, I was probably fortunate because I had the career that I had. Um, and it was, and I could probably always already having conversations with, um, people at Fox to go into that media world because of my personality, because of what I'd done in the, the game. But when I think about other players that probably didn't have a successful career as what I had, um, even still winning championships with that, but maybe they just were one of those people that did all the dirty work and didn't yeah. get the accolades, you know, and, and they're the ones that were forgotten and that they were probably the ones that found it really difficult um, to transition. I mean, and like now when I think about it, I was really lucky. Uh, it was, but then, um, you know, going into the media world, I just thought I could turn up like football um, do what I did and, and go without doing any sort of extra training or research. And for probably two or three years, I was just um, shit. <laughs> like I was really shit and I was just getting shocking feedback, but but I deserved it because I just wasn't watching any game. There was no content. Like, you know what it's like. If, you, if you're if you not seeing games the week before and you rock up and you think you're, you're – Yeah, that's your job. Yeah. And I didn't take that seriously for a long time. And then I felt like once I got myself into a really good place and I wanted to – 
be better and and know that, okay, this is the sort of thing that I want to be doing. I want to be in the media. I want to be talking about football. I just want to be having fun, you know. And, I, and to be fair, I don't want to work hard. <laughs> I, I don't want to work hard. I want the easiest job I could get. But obviously still talking what about what I love. And um, so that's when I thought, you know what, I'm going to work really hard at it. I'm going to uh, do the, the, the course with a friend that started a, a media company um, about commentary stuff. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I felt like I've excelled in my own expectations over the last year. And, uh, you know, I'm still probably going to get critics. But I, I'm very lucky in, in the way that um, I transitioned. But it's the ones that um, probably didn't have the name that I feel a bit bad for. Yeah, you, you mentioned you're still going to get critics. Uh, that happens. One of the greatest men, he's just passed away recently, the greatest men I've ever met from a uh, a TV perspective was the great Ernie Sigley. Wonderful yeah. man, uh, hard as a cat's head, or could he come down on people? But he said the, the, the secret to it is having at least 51% love you and the other 49%, if somebody loves you, somebody's going to hate you. He said yeah. there's no point on having 50 Plus percent, just think you're okay. You're bland. You're beige. So <laughs> yeah. e- e- even though you've got it all sorted now, you're still got all, always going to have people who are going to be your detractors. That's just that's just the way life is. They like or don't like you based on where they've come from, and where you've come from. That that's just going to be the way it unfolds. How did you deal with? Because as I sort of alluded to there, how did you deal with? the criticism early on after you'd retired, you've gone into a new profession, you're looking for an easy path. It perhaps wasn't as easy as you thought. And then you suffer some serious criticism. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was difficult because um, I actually thought that I was just doing okay and no one was really saying anything. And okay, there was maybe a few things, people going, God, <laughs> why they got this guy on TV? He can't even speak English. <laughs> <laughs> which you know makes you makes you laugh a little bit, but um, I think the thing is that I think one time when we were doing the match day Saturday, which I used to do every week, um, Bozza got yeah. really upset with one of our producers because he was taking the mick out of him a little bit. And uh, Bozza, you know, he, he, he's a funny character, but if you're kind of taking a piss a bit, he's gonna, you know, he likes not... taking it out of himself. That's his shtick. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's right. So he, he, I was sitting next to him and he was going off at this producer and this was early on on the show and he just said, look, I'm not going to say a word, mate. I'm not going to say a word anymore. Archie, you're going to take over. <laughs> and so I, that was pretty much a baptism of fire because I pretty much cruised through um, what I've done so far because, you know, we could t- kind of feed off each other. But this is where you get exposed and um, – I got exposed big time. I fluffed a lot of it through because, you know, I didn't know the content or context of games, what this meant for this, how he played the, the, the week before, um, who's a new player in. So yeah, I, I fluffed it. If you're not doing it, the, the work. And um, and then I reverted back to my career. It's like, well, I worked hard and I did everything that I could and I had the success I did. But it's got to be like in every part of your life. It's amazing, isn't it? So, like, my partner says, "Oh no, you're not watching foot again." But if I turn, you know, like on on a Monday afternoon with with Bob and Andy, if somebody rings up and says, "Hey, Doom, did you see such and such game?" If you're paid to be a professional, you've got to have seen the, the incident they're talking about. And the only way yeah. you can see the incident 
yeah. is having watched nine full games over the weekend. It's exhausting, but it's yeah. the job. Yeah, it is. And, and uh, probably over the last year or so that I've actually watched a lot of the games but I couldn't watch it. I would put it on replay to watch that. Yeah. And, then, and then you start to actually um, see it in a different light. Uh, from uh, you know being in that player, and then also now you're into that media world. You uh, and you're talking about games. You just see completely something different than when you were playing. And uh, for me, it was like okay, tactical stuff, or um, even listening to other commentators speak and how they uh, describe a certain situation. And, and I was starting to do those sort of things. And um, and that's when I became started to feel a bit more comfortable in what I was doing, and and uh, and I was excited to get out in the camera now because I I wasn't fluffing. It was exciting. I knew what I was talking about, and I was having fun at the same time. So I, I felt like now that I felt found a good balance, where you know people might have just thought, okay, here's Archie, he just wants to take the piss and have a laugh, but now that now there's actually oh mate, he's he's got a bit of something about him, but he can still. Bring a bit of light to it, but that's my lot. That's me. I, I, yeah. I can't take things too seriously. And people I want you. Like, that people want yeah. that in you. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I mean, it's it's brings a, and I guess that's where when I think about my whole football career and maybe putting that mask on is that it made people feel comfortable too in 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 um, maybe going out and playing an important game where I was shit myself, but they saw this person that seemed composed and having a laugh. That settled that them down. So I guess. Um, me having the personality I am, I, I, I just used to clock out of meetings so many times, uh, uh, like important games, team meetings, mate. I had a, I, I had a brain span of a fish, I reckon. I just, I just totally just went off in other places, and um, I, I feel like I'm probably a lot better in that sense because I want to um, enjoy what I'm doing and I want people to enjoy what I'm what I'm saying. Yeah. Hey, you make a mention of it. I think the hardest thing about commentating is you're a player and you and you understand the tactics. When you watch it, you watch the, for the theatrics of the sport. People watch it, you know, supporters watch it because it's a theatrical sport. But then as an ex-player, you've got to watch it and watch it mechanically and break yeah. it down mechanically. But then you have to convey it back to the supporter in the theatrical sense. And that's an art. That is, that is, it takes a while to learn that. Otherwise you're caught in one area or the other. Hey. It's difficult, mate. And also too, when you get kicked out of school in year 10, <laughs> you might, it's, it's difficult to be able to put, uh, you know, theatrics to, to a situation. But, you know, I, co I commentate a few games over the, um, last year because me and Michael Saponi were the only ones here in Melbourne that were able to do a lot of the games. And, um, you know, there were some funny moments. I, I couldn't help myself but do it because um, <laughs> I know there's a serious part that you need to be. But like I said, there's something in my head that just goes, nah, you can't. You this is the moment I'm going with it, yeah. <laughs> no, I think you call it beautifully, mate. Hey, before we let you go, um, and it's remiss of me, I probably should have asked you earlier. Uh, there is documentation of you saying there were times I was down so low. Yeah. I I looked at things like the Westgate and and, and I was that low. How low did it get for you, well, mate? It, it got that low, like and and it's not right. It's like my partner says. Like sometimes even now, it's you'll have those fleeting moments of maybe if you if you feel a little bit of the pressure of certain situations, um, you, you see a little 
you see a truck come past, you go, well, what if I just run out in front of that? Like, you know, just because um, the, the stress is all, you don't know how to deal with things, but that's not a, that's not a, the right way to think about things. And, um, and when my partner said, you, that's not a person that's happy, you know, because you shouldn't be thinking those thoughts, especially in life. And, but that's what happens, unfortunately, to people is that they just feel like there's no way out. There's no, there's no sanctuary. There's and no that was sanctuary. you? Yeah, yeah, and a lot of times I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to go hard here and I'm going to go to training and um, sometimes I feel like, man, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. Mm. Like, you know, and, and, and it only takes moments like that that people actually, you know, they go through with it. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I, I, I know that, you know, maybe I don't deal with stressful situations enough that I go revert to that, but I'm, I'm becoming better with it. And it's only through talking to people, um, talking openly about it, not being afraid to say how you felt, um, showing your vulnerability. And that's probably one thing that I didn't show through most of my life. And that's what really affects uh, or gets such a positive um, feedback from other people is that vulnerability that you show. Yeah. So, so if we can establish you still have these feelings oh. occasionally now, how do you deal with them? What are the, what are the, it sounds like talking to people. It sounds like communication with a trusted person yeah. is very special to you. Is that your main method of combating these types of dark thoughts? Oh, it, it has to. It has to be. It's like um, people maybe feel like that they can shoulder a lot of their own responsibilities, but it's it's hard. Like life's hard and, and your thoughts that you do have are hard and, and you just need a, a different perspective from someone else. And and it can and mine was from Nathan Coe, my brother, about where I was, and the person got lost. And you just need someone, and you need those conversations, and you need those vulnerabilities, and you got to just be open with it. And um, unfortunately, some maybe just too far that they just can't, and that's where you see people lose their lives. But uh, I think the more you speak about it, the more I speak about it, the more I maybe speak to my psychologist. Uh, the more I have these healings, the more the more conversations I have about how I can be better or feel better, I'm going to have them. And uh, you know, I'm, again, I'm fortunate that I've got a beautiful partner that helps me with those. Um, and 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 it's helped me in everything like I do, even when I speak to my own kids about maybe situations that they're feeling or because I, I can revert it back to how I was. And sometimes it's that connection that makes things a little bit easier. Well, mate, we've talked about some pretty tough areas, some dark areas, but if I can just put a feather in your cap for you and say whenever I see Archie Thompson on TV, whenever I hear of him, whenever I speak to him, I just exit that area a happier person, and you do that for a lot of people. So please, Mate, please take. Jeremy, I say the same about you, brother. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm always happy to see you. I'm so always... you're the one. Same, <laughs> <laughs> so, mate. Mirrors, I'm seeing to myself. <laughs> you, take solace in the fact that so many people derive and have derived, uh, have taken a lot of pleasure out of yeah. seeing Archie Thompson and his craft. Thank you, mate. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jeremy. Cheers, brother. If our conversation tonight has raised some issues for you, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 and they're available 24 hours a day. Or you could call Beyond Blue, one 
224636. If you've enjoyed this episode of the conversations that could for you if you've enjoyed these co- <laughs> if you've enjoyed this episode of the conversations that could for are you okay and you'd like to share it with a friend or access the resources in our show notes subscribe to the podcast of the conversations that could wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Dermot Brereton, and we'll be back next week. And remember, when your mate bottles it up, a dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Thanks for listening, everyone.